you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. We will read verses 7 and 8. These will be the object of our, our study today. Exodus 18, verses 7 and 8. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Father God, please bless the study, the teaching, the application of your word today. In Jesus' name. What if I were to tell you that sharing the gospel doesn't have to be complex, complicated, or intimidating. What if I told you that every single Christian, whether bold or shy, well-trained or untrained, really can share the message of Jesus effectively? What if I told you that this very week, you could move forward leaps and bounds in your obedience to Jesus without even breaking a sweat. We are obviously returning to Exodus chapter 18 that we studied uh, in full all the verses last week, but we are zooming in on how it is that Moses made a disciple of Jethro, of his father-in-law, and that's what we just read a moment ago, verses 7 and 8. This is kind of what we've seen so far uh, is last week in Exodus uh, 9.16, God showed that his mission, as it is today, it always was that his name would be proclaimed in all the earth. Just like Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. God was doing that, and he was doing that even in Old Testament times through the people he had redeemed. And so God did it through Moses. Through Moses, his Gentile father-in-law, who was a, a priest in Midian, so a pagan priest, worships the true God, the one true God. And, and I get it. We, we say, yeah, but that was Moses. Of course Moses can do it. I mean, this is like one of the, the heroes in our Bibles. You may be forgetting some small details about Moses if you're saying, well, of course Moses could do it. I couldn't do it, but Moses can because he's Moses. Here are some small details that you may have forgotten from the book of Exodus. This is uh, what, what we know about Moses. Moses was not a bold evangelist but a timid shepherd. Remember, he was shepherding his, his, uh, his father-in-law's sheep. And Exodus 4 is all of Moses' uh, excuses to God for why he can't be the guy to go back and um, you know, be used to save Israel over and over again. And finally, he just says, oh, my Lord, send someone else. <laughs> He's a timid guy. He's not this bold. Yeah, I got this. No big deal. Moses was not a well-trained evangelist, but an untrained novice. 
seriously, put this in historical, chronological perspective. What, what book of the Bible was, was Moses reading to learn how to evangelize? The only possible book he could have read is Job. That's the only book that was in existence. And it's unlikely he had, you know, read it a bunch of times or anything. And, he, you know, he, they grew up in uh, Egypt. And anyways, um, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. Like he didn't have a Bible to study and learn from and learn about evangelism and sharing the gospel. In addition, he had never attended a, an evangelism seminar or evangelism course. Those did not exist. He didn't have a mentor. He didn't have an example to imitate for sharing the gospel and making disciples. He was absolutely an untrained novice at sharing the gospel, at sharing the glory of God. I mean, he's, he's winging it. No joke. I mean, this, this is what he's doing. By God's grace, uh, he's winging it. And in addition to those things, Moses was not eloquent as we might think of him. He had a speech impediment. We, we learned that again in, in chapter 4 of Exodus, Exodus 4.10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. So you have this, this uh, timid, untrained speech impediment man who is now sharing the gospel, the glory of God. And a disciple is made, a worshiper of God is made. And so no matter what you may think of yourself, your personality, your abilities, your knowledge and wisdom, remember this, God was able to use Moses. See, I think we have it backward. We say, of course God could use Moses, but he couldn't use me. What we should be saying is, if God could use Moses, he could definitely use me. Because I would say Moses had far more deficits working against him than, than most of us. I, I would say if anyone had a natural reason to shy away from sharing the gospel, it was Moses. But you know what? God was with Moses. God was empowering Moses. And guess what? That's what we looked at two weeks ago. Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Th that's why his gospel proclamation was effective, because God was working through it. Moses was not this great candidate for sharing the gospel. And you may feel that way about yourself. You may, you may feel like, no, I don't have the right personality. I don't have enough training. I'm not a good enough speaker, so God couldn't use me. And I would just say, join the club. Moses was doing it as an untrained, uh, timid, uh, you know, speech impediment man 3,000 years ago. And God was doing uh, his work through Moses. And it's a beautiful thing. Again, a man's eternity was changed. The glory of God was proclaimed and the spread of the gospel to the nations. So what I want us to investigate today is how does Moses, this timid, untrained, and eloquent man, go about sharing the glory of God? How could even Moses do it? What, what simple principles did he use to share the glory of God. And again, I hope you see that this means that if Moses could do these principles, then all of us 
can do these principles and all of us can be used by God because if you have trusted in Christ Jesus, all of us have the promise that Jesus will be with us <clears throat> to empower us in sharing the gospel. So I want to break what Moses <clears throat> did here down into three very simple principles. Three very simple principles that I believe everyone can do if they've trusted in Christ Jesus. Number one, Moses showed honor. Moses showed honor. We see this in verse seven. It says there, uh, and I should give you a little background. Um, Jethro has Moses' wife and kids. They're waiting there while Moses is out, you know, uh, <laughs> facing a, off against Pharaoh and, and the Egyptian army. But now that they are free, now that they are out in the wilderness, Jethro is bringing the kids there. Jethro has sent a messenger to Moses saying, I'm coming to you. And that's where we pick up in verse seven. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. Those, that, that, that's three signs of honor um, in that, that first half of verse seven. Three signs of honor from Moses. And, and you might say, well, yeah, whatever, who cares? Think about this. Moses is a peculiar, it has a peculiar relationship with God. Like no one else has God talking to them from a burning bush, then telling them what to say and, and working these miracles through them. I mean, like Moses is quite honestly, a, a, an important guy by the way that God is using him at this point. And, and Moses really has been used by God to bring Israel out of Egypt. And now Israel looks to Moses as their leader. And so I don't know what type of relationship Moses had with his father-in-law. I assume it was a pretty good one. Like, you know, Jethro seems like a pretty nice guy from what we see here in Exodus. But think about what Moses may have been tempted to do. I mean, Moses could have heard that Jethro was coming and he think, oh, I've got so much going on. Doesn't he know how important I am now? Doesn't he know how busy I am? Remember last week, we looked at how he, he all day, he would sit there and have to judge the people of Israel to teach them the ways of God and to help them in their disputes. Like Moses did have a lot to do. He did have a, an important role. Uh, I've got to go meet my father-in-law. I mean, he's just a Gentile. He's not even one of God's people. I mean, worse than that, he's a pagan priest. You know what? I'll just wait for him to get here and he can maybe talk to me while I'm working. You know, I'll, 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 I'll say hey to him. I'll nod my head at him in between uh, judging the people of Israel. I mean, that's what Moses could have done. He could have let it get in his mind. Look who I am. Look at what I have done. I'm a true follower of God. I'm a true vessel of God. And who, who's Jethro? He's a nobody. He's just my father-in-law. But that's not what Moses did. It says first there, he went out to meet his father-in-law. That means Moses stopped whatever he was doing, no matter how important, he stopped what he was doing. He got up and he traveled to wherever Jethro was. He didn't wait for Jethro to come to him. And so I would say that is a very big sign of honor to Jethro. Then the text says he bowed down. In their day, this was a deep sign of respect. He bows down to Jethro, which is basically saying, I am low and you are high. 
I am in, inferior, you are superior. That's, that's a sign of honor. Then the text says, he kissed him. Now, again, in, this, in their day, this wasn't strange. This was a symbol of honor that was reserved for people that you had a close relationship with and deep affection for. So Moses has shown, I'm not too busy for you, Jethro. He went out. Moses has shown, I'm not too good for you, Jethro. He bowed down. And Moses has shown, I love you. I care for you. He kissed him. Moses showed honor. He intentionally showed honor. You say, okay, what does this have to do with the master's mission? <laughs> what does this have to do with, with uh, proclaiming God's name to all the earth? Well, I'd say it has a lot to do with the master's mission because I don't know if you've thought about this, but one of the biggest turnoffs to hearing the gospel being shared is, is dishonor and, and disrespect. How much time do you give the street side evangelist wearing a sign saying you're all going to burn in hell? I, I don't give them much time. I, by the way, have engaged those people several times, and they're just as charming when you get in a conversation. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's like it's baffling, and we, we do. We laugh at it because it's so ignorant. Like, why would anyone want to be around you? Why would anyone want to talk with you? Why would anyone want to hear what you have to say if you're going to be a jerk? And so if Moses feels, I'm too important for you, I'm too busy for you, you know, I'm special, you're not, what is Jethro going to do? He's going to drop off the wife and kids and go home. If Moses doesn't have time for me, I don't have time for him. If Moses isn't going to, you know, be, be respectful to me, I don't really want to be around him. That's the way the story could have ended. It could have ended right there at their first little meeting there, you know, uh, being reunited. But it didn't because Moses took the time and energy and initiative to show honor. Let me tell you guys, we've got to do the same thing. We cannot expect that anyone is going to want to listen to us or even be around us if we are dishonoring, disrespectful, too busy at best, to, to fail to show honor says, mm, you don't really matter. But to be all out disrespectful to other people, to treat our waiter or waitress like they're garbage, to, to treat, you know, the, the, the trash man like, like he's, he's subpar, just whatever. It says, I hate you and you're just in my way. Who is going to want to hear the gospel from that? It's no surprise that in uh, 1 Peter, he puts these two concepts together. In, in chapter 2, verse 17, he says, Honor everyone. Honor everyone without exception. If they are a human, I want to explain this. If they are a human, they are made in the image and likeness of God. They bear the image of God. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, black, white, whatever color. It doesn't matter if, if they're kind to you. It does not matter. They are a human made in the image of God. Therefore, you honor everyone. You treat them with dignity and respect. But then we see in the very next chapter, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, which, you know, the chapter divisions were added later. So you don't have to think of it that way. He says, honor everyone. Then a little later, he says... But in your, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, 
always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So you see there in, in chapter three, when we share the gospel, we, we, don't, we don't hit people with it. We, we do it with gentleness and respect. We treat them as a human who has dignity, who has a mind, who has emotions, who has a heart. We do it with gentleness and respect. I mean, it doesn't mean we're not saying difficult things. I get that, but we, we say it as, as kind as we can, but it can't start there. You, you can't be a jerk one minute and then expect, oh, I'll just be really nice when I'm sharing the gospel. No, it starts at that first encounter, doesn't it? People have made a decision. This, by the way, isn't even necessarily in the Bible. This is general knowledge. People have made a decision about you, about whether or not they want to be around you, but whether or not they want to engage you in conversation, probably within the first 10 seconds. It's the look on your face. It's, it's the, the sound of your voice. It's whether or not you make eye contact. It's whether or not you engage them. And remember, dishonor just, just stops the, the gospel opportunity. But to show honor, to show dignity, to show respect, that opens the door to continue on. We're not there yet, but the door has been opened for the possibility of sharing the gospel with this person. I mean, I, I will just tell you uh, in my own family, this is something that we, we have talked about, we've prayed about, we've been intentional about. And so myself and Hallie, we don't have to tell the girls, they're always gonna have a smile on their face, but you would not believe how often we get in conversations with complete strangers. And, and it's not because, you know, we're, we're, we're just like trying to get everyone's attention. It's because we just have a smile on our face. We make eye contact, we, we say hello, you know, and then it, it, just, it just keeps going from there. It opens the door to gospel conversations. Why? Because we simply treat people as image bearers of God who deserve honor, dignity, respect, instead of slamming the door by just, you know, being too busy for them, being too important for them. This is how Moses started, and this is how you and I can start. Show honor to people, and it will open the door for gospel opportunities. Now, we are not there yet, though. Moses is not yet ready to share the gospel, and, and we probably shouldn't either. The next thing that we need to learn from Moses is this. Moses engaged in small talk before big talk. Moses engaged in small talk, normal everyday conversation before he dove into the big, eternal, weighty conversations of the things of God. We see that there in the second half of verse seven. And they, that's uh, Moses and Jethro, asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. I, I want you to notice something. It's surprising that that detail is there. They asked each other of their welfare. Like, how weird is it that that is what uh, is recorded in the Bible? Hey, uh, Jethro, how are things in Midian? Hey, hey, Jethro, uh, you know, how have the sheep been doing that, that since I left? You know, how's the family been? Like, that's what Moses just told us that they, that they did. They had small talk. They asked each other of their welfare. You know, how's the weather in Midian? I don't, I don't know, like, what, what exactly they talked about, but it, it was insignificant things. But here, here's the idea. You, you can't just jump straight into the big talk without first having small talk. That's just 
the, the way that it works. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Small talk, just like showing honor, small talk shows you care. Small talk shows, I, I don't just think of you as a project, like I've got to check this box that I shared the gospel with you. You're a person who has real details and has real experiences and has, you know, real problems or things in your life. And so we engage in small talk. We, we show them that we genuinely care about them as a person. But small talk does another thing. Small talk provides opportunity. It provides opportunity to take that small conversation to a very big, glorious conversation about God. Because while you're having this small talk, you're, you're learning valuable information about them. You're learning about their experiences, about their feelings, about their attitudes. And, and if you listen closely, very often you can take that conversation from a temporal to an eternal conversation. I'll just tell you, um, maybe three weeks ago now, uh, I was at the, the skate park and um, I talked to a, a guy who was on a skateboard and I, was, and I, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm a show honor. I'm kind to him. Hey, how's it going? You know, and then I just start asking him, you know, so uh, do you come here much? You know, like this, this, is, this is called small talk, by the way. Like, do you come here much? That, by the way, is the next little principle. Ask questions. If you don't know where to go, how to have a small talk, ask questions. Hey, do you come here much? Do, do, you, do you come to skate, uh, do your skateboard here often? And so I get to talking to him and he's saying, no, I haven't been able to because my life's been really chaotic. Ask questions. Uh, well, what's been going on? What's been making your life so chaotic? And he starts to tell me about how this person did some really terrible things to, to his family. And here's what he said, just in, in this small talk, he said, if there's a God, then he will deal with that person. I didn't say anything yet, but I wrote it down in my mind. If there's a God, he just brought up God. I didn't. And so um, I'll, I'll just tell you, like later in the conversation, I said the next thing, ask uh, experiences and opinions. I said, so earlier you said, if there's a God, he'll deal with this person. Well, do you think there's a God? Like, what's your conclusion on that? And so, you know, we, we start going along the line. And, and so what that did is it let him share where he was at and I could help connect the dots. And I did in that instance get to share the full gospel of what Christ Jesus has done for us in our place that we, just like that person who, ha, you know, has hurt his family, we all deserve God's wrath. Like if there's a God, we're all in trouble, right? Not just that guy. But if we've trusted in Jesus, then, then Christ can pay for those sins and and we can stand before him clean and get to experience his glory. I mean, I got to go through. Why? Because I engaged in small talk with a person. Like, I wasn't too busy, you know. He, he's another human, so I, I can engage him and show respect and show him that I care. I ask questions, and then I, I ask about his opinion. So what do you think about God? Like, do you think he's real? But let me give you some other examples that, that can be a little more out of the blue, because not every time does someone say if there's a God to me. You can say, hey, have, have you ever, like, uh, attended church? What, what did you think about it? What do you think about it? What do you think about Christians? I mean, you can ask these things. Listen, people will not be offended by you asking their opinion. People love to share their opinion. Have you ever been on social media? Have you ever watched the news? Have you ever, I mean, people love to tell you. They will rant. You won't be able to shut them up. They will give you so much information if you simply ask their experiences and ask their opinion. And then with gentleness and respect, 
you start to show them, okay, that you had a bad experience with church, but let, let me tell you, like the church is filled with saved sinners. Like we're, we're not yet perfected, but Christ has still paid for us and he loves us. And he died, you know, like you can start to correct uh, their, their thinking lovingly and gently and respectfully. But I will tell you this, I have never gotten in a gospel conversation without first engaging in small talk. It's just never happened. I've never just walked up to someone and said, Jesus died for your sins. And, you know, like it just, I don't start there. So if you say, I, I, would, I would love to share the gospel, but, I, just, but I, I never get opportunities. Well, show honor and then engage in small talk and you will be amazed how often God will lead that to big talk. And now cover all this with prayer, right? God is in control of this and, and, and God is the one who can make these things happen. And um, I, I take no credit for the opportunities I have because I say, see that, okay, God brought this guy along and God had him say that thing and that God let me have that conversation. But it, it won't happen if you don't show honor and then engage in small talk. So you're, you're looking for these bridges to the gospel looking to take it from small to big, from temporal to eternal, you're looking for it while showing them that you truly care and love them and, and want the best for them. Now, one of the best ways to bridge that gap, one that I use by far more than any other to share the gospel, to share the glory of God is exactly what Moses did. This is number three. And this is something that all of us, if we are truly saved, can do. Moses shared his testimony. Now remember, Moses was a timid guy. Moses was an untrained guy and he was ineloquent. He didn't, he didn't have all these great resources to just, you know, he wasn't Billy Graham. Like he just wasn't like this naturally gifted guy to, to make this gospel presentation. He didn't know about the Romans road, which wasn't written for a couple, couple thousand years. You know, like uh, he, he, he didn't have all these things, but what he did have and what you have is a story of what God has done for you. If you are a Christian, then you have a story of what God's done for you, just like Moses did. Look at, look at that in verse 8. Then, this is after the small talk, then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Isn't that the most unintimidating way to share the gospel? I mean, Moses, it hasn't just said, hey, Jethro, you're, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. He, he, has, he hasn't, you know, slammed the Bible in his face. Again, they didn't have a Bible, but, you know, he, he doesn't pin Jethro down. He simply tells Jethro of what God has done for him. I mean, that, that is the most unintimidating way to, to link into the gospel is, is I'm just talking about what God's done for me. I'm just sharing for you what God has done for me. And all of us, if we are Christians, all of us have a story to tell of what God has done for us. And I'll, I'll give you now just a couple of suggestions for what makes a good testimony. By the way, my goal today is for this sermon to be as simple as possible because I want you to see how simple it is. Show honor, get in small talk, and then share your testimony. 
It's, it's very simple. But I just want to give you two suggestions at the risk of making it sound complicated for how to have a helpful testimony, a useful one that truly conveys the glory of God. So I'm going to give you two, and these are drawn from uh, Moses' testimony here. First, make sure God is the hero of your story. Make sure God is the hero of your story. Now, I, I want us to think about this for a second. We see there in Moses' testimony, <clears throat> he didn't tell Jethro all that he had done in freeing the is Israel from the Egyptians. He didn't tell them how he had delivered them from all the troubles now that they've been out in the wilderness. He told him all that the Lord had done. God was the hero in his story. God is the one who delivered them. God is the one who continually uh, was providing for them and, and saving them. Like this is God's story being worked out in Moses' life. Now, again, th this may seem obvious that, that God should be the hero of your story, but it's, it's surprising how easy a testimony can become about I, me, I mean, we, we, we say, you know, I started attending church. I started cleaning up my life. I stopped doing this thing and these things. I started doing these good things. You know, that, that we say, okay, well, I shared my testimony. Well, you did. You, you shared your testimony, but you haven't shared your testimony of what God has done in your life. Because what's a person going to conclude from a testimony that's all about what I have done? I attended church. I cleaned up my life. I started doing good things. They're going to conclude, wow, look at that great person. You've just made yourself the hero. Congratulations. And they're going to conclude, well, if I want to have the same results, then I just need to start doing these things. I need to clean up my life. I need to start doing right. Tell me, is that the gospel? Is the gospel that you need to clean up your life? No, the gospel is not that we clean up ourselves, but that Jesus makes us 100% clean before God by his bloody sacrifice, by his resurrection from the dead, our faith in him. And he cleans up our lives patiently, like in, in, in practical ways. That, that's the gospel, is that he makes me clean positionally, and over time, he patiently makes me clean in practical life. Jesus is the one who does it. And I would even say, you know, like, I, I sought after Jesus. I trusted in Jesus. Be careful. Be careful. Jesus sought after you. Romans 2 tells us that no one seeks for him. No one understands Jesus was seeking you. That's why you sought him. And so you tell people, Jesus was chasing after me. He got my attention. And, and I saw this beautiful gospel that I could trust in him. Okay, make sure God is the hero of your testimony. If the person walks away saying, wow, what a great guy, what a great lady, it may not have been a very helpful testimony. But if they walk away saying, wow, what a great God, that is helpful. Because that's what your testimony is about. It's about him. Now, the next thing I want to show you from, from Moses' uh, testimony is this. A next helpful thing, be specific. Be specific. I see this in Moses' testimony here. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord 
had done. You notice up on the screen and in your Bibles, the Lord is, is, is all caps, right? You have the full cap L and then O-R-D is, is uh, minimized, capitalized. But that is the word Yahweh. That is different than the word God in the Bible. God in the Bible is just L. God, using that word both in Moses' day and today, is ambiguous. If you say, I trusted in God, God saved me, that is ambiguous. You could be talking about Allah of, of um, Islam. You could be talking about the Brahmin of Hinduism. You could be talking about Greek gods, folk gods, or some universal unnamed force when you talk about God. But Moses did not talk about God, El. He talked about Yahweh, the Lord. This is the personal name of God. This one particular, one true God. This is the God he told Jethro about. Now you say, well, okay, what does that have to do with me? I'm not even going to use the word Yahweh, sharing the gospel with a stranger. You don't have to. We have a new name that we get to use. What is that? Jesus. Jesus is what separates us. Jesus is what separates us. Now there are some cults that still use Jesus, but it separates us from, from Islam. It separates us from, from new age religion. It separates us from just this universal force, Jesus. We use the name of Jesus. People, quite honestly, don't care if you talk about God. That won't ruffle anyone's feathers. But when you start talking about Jesus, you are talking about a particular religion with a particular God, who, by the way, has done particular things to save you. And I want to show you that as well. Um, Moses didn't, uh, Moses told Jethro all that the Lord had done. He told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done. So what you see there in verse 8 isn't what he told Jethro. It is a summary of what he told Jethro. He didn't just say, Yahweh saved us. Yahweh crushed Pharaoh. He told him how Yahweh saved him. So he would have told him, yeah, Yahweh, I was out shepherding the sheep. I didn't tell you this, Jethro, sorry. But while I was out there, I saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning. So I came and God told me to go to Egypt. And, and while I was there, God did these plagues. I mean, they were miraculous, powerful plagues. God, Yahweh did that. And then at one point, there was going to be this one terrible plague where all the firstborn in the land would die, but God provided a substitute sacrifice for us in the form of the Passover lamb. He would have told him about this, this sacrifice, this Passover lamb. And he would have told him how, how all of Egypt mourned over the loss of, of their firstborn, but Israel was safe because they were covered by the blood of this substitute. And then he would have told him how they, they left Egypt and, and they got to the Red Sea and there was no way out, but then God spreads the Red Sea. They walk through on dry land. Then the Egyptians, the pursuing Egyptians were crushed behind him. He even told him that we see there of how God delivered them continually in the wilderness, not just that initial salvation, but that God was faithful to them, continually delivering them in spite of themselves. And so how that translates to us is we don't just say, Jesus saved me. We say, how Jesus saved us. Jesus is God the Son who took on flesh as a human. 
He lived a perfect life. Then he died as a perfect sacrifice for my sins on the cross, my place. He literally bore the punishment that I deserve on the cross. Then three days later, he rose from the dead. He had defeated sin and death. And he says, if I trust in him, if I trust in the work that he has done, then I can have new life. I can have my sins forgiven. I can have life eternal with him in heaven. That, friends, is what God has done for you. And more specifically, that is what Jesus has done for you. And so we talk about Jesus. We talk about what he's done for us. And so Here's what I I want to get across to you today. You can do all these things. You can do all these things. You see in the bottom of your notes there, I really hope you take this serious. I put some homework. I know that's weird. I don't normally give homework, but application of God's word is really probably a better way of speaking of it. God has taught us this today. And so we want to apply it. And, And this week you can do these three things and I want to prove it to you. The first one is intentionally show honor. Can all of you smile? Nod your head if you can smile. Yep. Then you can show honor. Make eye contact, smile, maybe say hello. You're opening the door. Next question. Can all of you ask questions? Hi, how are you doing today? Can you nod your heads? Can you ask a question? then all of you can make small talk with the aim of it leading to big talk. Ask a question when they answer, ask another. I mean, it it usually is connected, right? (laughs) You know, I'm struggling. Well, then why are you struggling? Or I'm having a great day. Well, that's good. Tell me what's been going on. What's been so good? You know, you just ask simple questions. Then, do you have a story of what God's done for you. Nod your head if God has saved you through Jesus Christ. Then you can share your testimony. I get it. People, people say, my testimony's boring. I, you know, I, I got saved at five years old or nine years old. And I mean, I wasn't a, a drunk. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't, you know, doing all these other things. And so my testimony's boring. Listen, this is, I just want to say this to, to anyone who feels they have a boring testimony. The Bible says that your, 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 your testimony is not boring. The Bible says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I don't care if you remember it. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, yet you have been made alive in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you were at one time following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? That's Satan. This is Ephesians 2, by the way, that I'm quoting to you. The Bible says that you are following the course of this sinful world and Satan. I don't care if you don't remember it. The Bible says that it's true. But now, because of what Christ Jesus has done for you, you are worshiping and enjoying the one true God. At one point, whether or not you realized it, You were destined to hell. You were a child of wrath like the rest of mankind, Ephesians says. A child of wrath. Like you're born into a a hell being your destiny. But if you are saved, then you have become a child of God, 
destined for heaven. So I don't know what part of that is boring. It doesn't matter if you can't like remember and give specific examples of your deadness, of how you were following Satan and you know that you, you're going to hell. Like the Bible says that it was true. Therefore, you can say it was true of me. At one time, I, I wasn't worshiping God. I was rebelling against him and I was destined for hell. But Jesus, because of his sacrifice, he has, he has cleansed me of that sin. He has given me life here and forever. I get to be with him. That is an amazing testimony. And so all of you have a story to tell. If you are saved today, you do have a story to tell. And you can make Jesus the hero of it because he is. You didn't make yourself clean. You didn't save yourself. You didn't give yourself a seat in the heavenly places. Jesus did that. And so all of you have an amazing story to tell. Remember, Moses, he's timid. He's untrained. And he has a speech impediment. If God could use Moses to do these things, he can use you. He is with you always to the end of the age. Who knows what he will do as you show honor, engage in small talk, and share your testimony. Let's pray. Father God, we again are so thankful. First, that you love us. That you love sinners like me and like my friends here, Lord. That you gave your son as a sacrifice for our sins and that he rose victorious. God, we are so thankful for that. We're thankful for the way that you drew us to yourself, that you gave us a knowledge of the gospel and helped us to trust in it, God. And now, Lord, as we think about the great commission that we are called to make disciples of all nations, that you have not given us a burdensome task that cannot be done. What we have seen is that the least and the lowliest of us can do this. We have seen that Moses could do this, and if he can, we can too, by your grace and your power. And so, Lord, I pray that you would put it on the hearts of your people today to intentionally show honor as they go out to show people that they matter, that we're not too busy for them or too important for them. And God, help us to, to not be afraid to engage in small talk to, and just see where you take it. Help us to just start asking questions, to show interest, to show we care, and then to see how you bridge the gap from small talk to big talk. And then Lord, Help us not to be ashamed of our testimony of what you've done for us. Help us to share it proudly that my God saves. Jesus Christ is the one and only way of salvation and he has broken into my life. God, help us not to be ashamed of that testimony. Help us to be excited to share it knowing that I mean, it's really not that intimidating. We're just, we're just sharing our story of what you've done for us. Lord, help us to be obedient to the master's mission. Even more so now that we see how simple it really is. Lord God, we pray that you would be glorified through this church. And when I say this church, I'm talking about the people. That you would be glorified through this church. 
Lord, that we would find our surpassing joy in you and that we would serve the good of others through our proclamation of the gospel. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.